to a Burkamp Wonderland, the place where we have a fine array of sexy trousers for pirates. With me tonight, I have three wonderful gooners. First of all, top right-hand corner, it's Josh, who is human. Are you still human, Josh? Just about. And is there any resemblance between you and the duck to your left? Um, no, other than we've both got a headset on. Um, yeah. I can't even think of a pun about quackers, something like that. I don't know. No, uh, no, no. need for that. No, there's there's no no real difference with us. It's just surprising I'm back on ABW. It is nice. You've been uh, moonlighting over at the Highbridge Squad. How's that been going? As, uh, I see you've been starting fights with Kev Campbell. Never a good I, idea. I did start a couple of fights with Kev Campbell. I mean, you know, you always got to punch above your weight, and that's what I'm trying right now over there. Um, we'll see, because I think I'm back on tomorrow as well. Oh, dirty stop out. Excellent. Very. Okay, right. Next up is, is Carl, who has already got the hump with me. Carl, will you be speaking anywhere near the microphone tonight? <laughs> That's a no, I think. Hello, Josh. How are you? I'm good, thank you, Carl. How are you? I am well. I'm glad that there's at least two sensible people, not including myself, on this podcast tonight. Because uh, unfortunately, someone whose only job is to press a button couldn't press a button and messed it all up before the podcast even started. They are going to remain nameless. Uh, they're about as shit as a certain pirate's trousers, but again, we move on. Yeah, Am I... They weren't the person that had their microphone in a different borough to start with. Oh, wow. Wow. So it's just <laughs> all against all. All right. I'm now Team America, it seems now. Um, that's what oh, it is. Oh, they're talking of Team America. It's... Uh... Uh, Miami John is gone. Long live Chicago John. Hey, Dan John. <laughs> Long live Chicago John. Yeah, I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Thanks for thanks for having me on again. Good. Did you have any plans before we said forty minutes before the show starts? Are you free? Because Chris has decided that he's he's got he's gone full Chris Diva. <laughs> just watching watching the just to Champions League basically, and that's that's what I was going to do. Is just watch some of that uh, Champions League and kind of, and lament lament you know being. Uh, being outside of Europe, so it does it does suck a little bit, but you know. At I least have I have no to... opinion. Go on, Josh. I'd say I have to say I'm enjoying us not being in Europe. Did you see the football we played last last season? And we had that every three days. Now we've only got it every seven. I can enjoy my week without disappointment. <laughs> okay, fair. That, no, that's fair. I mean, so, so that's definitely the silver lining here, right? Is that yeah. we don't have to we don't have to watch us struggle through another ninety minutes. Multiple times a week, we only have once. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and FC Carrier Bag was so looking forward to thrashing us home and away in the uh, the Europa League conference thing. John, I do hope you have no opinions tonight. Because have you ever seen the Arsenal play? Have you ever been to a live nope. game? Yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, well, you can say something then, because if you haven't, you're not allowed to say anything. Gav, is that the case? You silly man. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> That's ridiculous. No, but I have multiple times. Yeah, I, I usually come. I usually come once a year, at least to the North London Derby. Sometimes yeah. I've been to another one. I suppose you haven't been for a while because of the the COVID thing. Exactly. Exactly. When are you coming over next? Uh, Magic Mike's coming over in October. He's going to come and see me, and we're going to spoon. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm going up uh, next year. I'm going to be going uh, for Tom Canton's wedding, actually. So. Um, Oh. Uh, I'll be I'll be in London in Amsterdam probably. <laughs> that was the I think Amsterdam was, no it wasn't Paris was the last place I went abroad. We we're not here to talk geography. Mm. None of us are Michael Palin, so I think we need to get on with it. Josh, the uh, you've only you've got the, your memories of the Norwich game are freshest because uh, you 
well, only watched it today, didn't you? So I did. give us give us your thoughts on, on the whole the whole Norwich situation because I I was quite happy. I wasn't one of those people hoping Arteta would lose so he'd get the sack. I was quite happy with with the new players and uh, the whole thing. I was like, that's pretty good because we had about was it two hundred and fifty shots at goal. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I still watched it at three o'clock. It just so happened it was three o'clock on a Wednesday rather than three o'clock on Saturday. As uh, I happened to be in a different country at the time while we were playing that football. Um, but anyway, less about my Instagram travels. The the game against Norwich, yeah, it was it was interesting. I took Femi's advice of what I should watch in terms of probably the first few maybe 10 15 minutes of the first half then half an hour of the second as that's where most of the uh action ap- actually happened uh, and i was also trying to do work at the same time but yeah i mean in the positives point of view you know we were nine points off the top when the uh, game started and now we're only seven points off the top so it's not all doom and gloom just yet but for me the game was it was what we kind of expected to see. I would have liked to have seen Arsenal be a bit more clinical, but as we've seen from every game apart from playing uh, West Brom's under-21s, that we're still struggling in that point of view. So it was great to see us creating chances. I think some of the shots were uh, didn't really have many chances. I remember Lakonga having a shot, which you can see he's been watching Partey in training, we should say, and uh, everyone behind the goal in the clock end, make sure you've got your hard hats on when uh, Lekonga or Partey are setting up for a shot. But otherwise, I think it was an excellent general performance from us to actually get the points. We look to be slightly better creatively. I think Aubameyang looked hungrier than I've seen him in a while. And just overall, I think it was just a really interesting game generally, but really we're in a situation where we just need points and good performances as well and right now it was a result where the performance was promising but i wouldn't go as far as saying it was a great performance from us cole would you agree with that because i thought the fact that pepe uh young and <clears throat> there was one other player i just had a look at it the other player was saka all three of those had six shots at goal and on target uh, oh, we had seven on target, two from Aubameyang, three from Pepe, one from Le Congo, and one from Smith-Rowe. Were you happy with the game? Do you think there's something there that we can build from? Or do you think this is Norwich, which is the equivalent to playing the championship side? A little from column A and a little from column B, I'm going to say. Um, a team shouldn't have 30 shots on goal and only score one goal. Just being very honest, we should, we should be much more clinical. Um, I think that Looking at the game as a whole, we got points on the board. So that for me is a massive positive. We played, uh, played previously played three games and got no points on the board. So any time we win a game, it's a huge positive. Like you said, Danny, all the people that want Arteta to lose just so he can get fired is ridiculous. But I'd never in my lifetime do I ever want Arsenal to lose. Um, never. Um, we played much better football than we had previously, definitely. And that's because it was refreshing to see our new signings back, refreshing to see, you know, us at home. Um, but we, respectfully, and kind of like Josh said, we're playing Norwich. We should be beating them at home easily. They are favourites for relegation, I believe. 
and we just about beat them at home, which is a bit worrying. We need to be much more clinical. Um, a bit like Club Bruges just scored against PSG, but we need to be a bit more clinical. We need to take our chances when we get them. And having 30 shots on goal and only scoring one is not being clinical. And especially the kind of goal that we did score, which we'll probably talk about later. It was, I guess it's, is it worrying like even this early in the season? A little bit, to be honest. Um, like you said, we played West Brom's under-18s and yeah, we had a little route and to be honest, we should have beat West Brom under-18s that badly. But against a Premier League team who are favourites for relegation, are scoring a goal like that is a little bit worrying. But I'm happy with the signs that are being shown. Um, I'm happy about Lukonga getting much more game time and him looking almost comfortable in the centre of midfield, which is great. Like Josh said, I'm happy that Aubameyang didn't stop all game. He could normally that sort of game, he'd throw his arms up in the air and then he'll do silly things, but he kept on going throughout the whole game, which is an absolute huge positive. Um, our attacking force looks much more great. And like I think that um, our chance creation looks much, much more better. And oh God, dare I say, if Granit Xhaka comes back into the squad, we'll look a bit more better. Mm, debatable, but. Thomas Partey coming into the back into the side as well. And as soon as he came in, he made a huge difference. And I've been quite critical of Thomas Partey because since he's been here, he hasn't really done much, just to be very honest, uh, for his price tag. Although he doesn't set the price tag, I can't understand. But if you pay 40, 50 million pounds for a centre midfielder, for someone last season who didn't score one goal or didn't have one um, uh, assist, it's kind of hard. But he came into the squad against Norwich and he totally changed the game around. So that is a huge, huge positive. Us not conceding a goal is, again, a huge, huge positive. So there are signs to definitely build on and I'm quite happy. Jeez, there's a lot to take in there, John. What are your thoughts on it? And who do you think had the uh, had the best game? Because uh, there was quite a few. I mean, Ramsdale, that was Ramsdale's Premier League debut, Tommy Asu's first ever game. So there's a lot of stuff there that uh, I thought was really good. Yeah, yeah, and I agree with everything that Carl's been saying and Josh has said. Uh, it's it's a it's a game where it's kind of hard to get super excited about just because it's the 20th side us at the time playing against the 19th side at the time uh, and barely scoring a goal at home. So uh, I am I'm not like jumping for joy, but. Um, at the same time, I do understand how important it was to get three points and to keep a clean sheet. So when you're asking me who do I think was the, was the most important player that had the best performance, believe it or not, I'm going to go with Ramsdale. And the reason I'm going to go with Ramsdale is because we don't know exactly why he started over Leno. There's some conversations that maybe Leno was taking a rest or maybe that you know there was an agreement or maybe he just sat him down and, and gave Ramsdale a chance. The biggest thing for Ramsdale is that he – stood up and he took his opportunity he was very commanding in the box he was screaming at everyone and if you know if you know uh defenders are very very uh happy when their goalkeeper is commanding and they're pre and, and yelling and screaming and you got to kind of be like a little bit of a nut job to be a good goalkeeper uh you look at like you know layman and seaman those guys were nuts so um i'm not comparing rams though right now to, to those players but i'm just saying you need a certain personality and one of the things that i always had a concern about leno was that he didn't really have that personality. He's certainly a great keeper, and I think that he, you know, he saved us on numerous occasions. Um, but it, I think that every opportunity that Ramsdale's had, he's taken extremely well. 
um, and, and has been very promising. And one thing that he does that, that I like a little bit better than Leno is his ability to, uh, to distribute the ball which I know that it seems to be the kind of game plan that Arteta is going for right now. He likes defenders that can that can distribute the ball. I think Ben uh, White had an excellent game in that regard where he, he loved watching City where his the defender, Arteta talked about watching City and liking how, or rather Liverpool, and liking how the defenders can just bypass the midfielder and get the ball to the attacker, the defense can. And we started to see a little bit of shades of that with, with White. And we also saw that with... Um, with with Ramsdale. So look, there are positives to take out of the performance. Like I said, as a result and opponent wise, it's not exactly the the greatest result and opponent that I can start jumping for joy and getting all excited. But there were definitely things to take away from it. And I think the big one for me was was Ramsdale's performance. You've got to start somewhere though, haven't you? And uh, another thing I noticed about Ramsdale, one of the uh, Sheffield United or Bournemouth teammates was doing an interview and he went, Ramsdale started out as a midfielder. And you mm. could see the moment Ramsdale got the ball at his feet, he wasn't going, oh my God, what am I going to do? Like we saw that was the end of check. We saw that Leno can't cope with it. And then like you're saying, he's, he's, he shouts a lot and that's what we need. We saw that from, from Lehman. We saw that from Martinez. You need a shouty goalkeeper who's going to keep these, these defenders in line. Josh, um, John just said about um, White bringing it out of defence. Isn't that what you've been saying even before we signed him? Do you want to do you want to take a bow or, or do a bit of moonwalking? Uh, I, I can do a bit of showing off, I suppose, <laughs> in that regard. But then I suppose anybody that watched him at Brighton will know that that's the kind of defender he is. Hold on, John. Everybody watched him at Brighton. That's why they're all experts. I thought, I thought that was state. <laughs> that was obvious. That's true. Um, certainly, Twitter Timeline has said a lot of things regarding that. Um, regarding the Brighton team as well, that people who claim to watch a lot of Brighton, um, some of the things they say don't necessarily parallel with that, or at least they may be watching the game, but they're not taking it in. But yes, uh, for me, I think Ben White had an excellent game. Uh, just generally, he was cool, calm and kind of collected. There's still obviously some flaws to his game, but we're not in a position to be getting a perfect defender in. I know £50 million is a lot of money, but to be honest, it's kind of roughly where the market is now for a young English centre-back, which who's still got 10 plus years still left in his legs. So I think those was the kind of things that we had a lot of players playing in this game that didn't do anything necessarily remarkable, but that's one of the highlights for them was their unremarkableness was like John was saying, everything that Ramsdale did was cool and calm. He had that kind of mentality, which I think comes from being in a team that being in those relegation battles is being able to pick when you need to clear the ball. You know, we know Bournemouth liked to play out from the back. And when he was in that team, he was asked to do that. Sheffield United less so. But again, it was the close of it was the kind of mentality of clear your lines when you're gonna clear your lines, basically. Uh, I think Chambers has it. I think Rob Holding's really good at it as well. And then bringing White in, he's also got that knowledge of, you know, that kind of old-fashioned centre-back that will clear it when he needs to clear it. Um, Kieran Tierney as well as another, I'd add from, you know, kind of his Celtic days. Is he's got that in his locker that if they can't pick a pass, they, they will just clear their lines. If they can't think about it, they don't get that time on the ball. And that's really what we want from them is a the kind of safety-first approach. Um, yeah, we'd love to see the you know building out from the back uh but that's not really what we can always expect it's got to have they've got to have that mentality and that understanding of what's going on on the pitch that if they can't play that pass they just get rid uh, 
one of the players that really interested me, I want to know what everyone else's thoughts were on, was Maitland-Niles and his 61 minutes cameo in midfield. Um, I don't know what everybody thought about his performance. Uh, Carl? He made some good passes in the game, which I really liked. There was one particular pass where I think he just played like a looping ball over to Aubameyang and um, Aubameyang ran onto it. And there wasn't many um, people in Arsenal squad that would actually do that quote unquote long ball, wherever you want to, you know, if it, if it goes to a player, it's a, it's a great pass. And if it just over the top and doesn't miss the uh, player, it's a long ball, isn't it? But um, that's where Maitland-Niles wants to play or where I believe that he wants to play. He sees himself as a centre midfielder. Um, again, it's, it's really hard to judge anyone in this game because I know you can only play who's in front of you, but it was Norwich. And I think greater tests will come. Um, within the coming weeks. Burnley at the weekend is going to be uh, a test. I know they've got spanked by Everton, but, you know, it's when it comes to us, you know, it's going to be different. And that's going to be, um, I think, a great test for Arsenal playing away to Burnley. And Maitland-Niles, for me, do I see his career in centre midfield for Arsenal? Realistically, probably not. I don't see, the, I don't see him that... Um, I don't see his him being the final missing piece to the puzzle that is the Arsenal midfield. Um, do I actually see him in a squad somewhere? Probably not. I think he's probably being played to show what he can do, and then at the end of the season, he'd probably be sold. But you know, for his cameo that he made, you know, he didn't really do anything wrong. I can't say that there was ever a time when. You know, he did lose the ball a few times, but what midfielder doesn't, what player doesn't. But for me, it's if you're going to be a certain midfielder, he needs to be given game time. And the problem is, is that as soon as Partey's fit and Granite Xhaka's back in, he, you're looking at him probably being fourth uh, in centre midfielder behind Lukonga as well. So that's going to be his issue that he's looking for for the pecking order. Obviously, when um, the AOC comes, he may get a few games in that sort of five, six game spell when Thomas Partey's out and oh, I forgot about El Nene, isn't it? Maybe he's even behind El Nene as well. Shit, I forgot about him. But yeah, when El Nene and Thomas Partey go to the AOC, then, you know, he may get a few games there and obviously he may get a few games in um, the Carabao Cup and also the FA Cup when that comes around. What about you, John? What did you think of... Um, um, in the middle now, yeah, <laughs> I, I I agree with your with your assessment there. I thought he had some good passes. I thought, listen, this is his opportunity to step up to the plate, just like I was talking about Ramsdale earlier. Same thing with Ainsley Maiden Niles. You know, he, he's been. We, if you listen to the chatter over the years, there's been this talk that maybe he's wanted to play in that midfield role. He had an opportunity, and I thought, you know, he did he did all right. Like you said, though, the key is. It's 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 Norwich. It's Norwich. At the end of the day, you can only play in front of you, but it's Norwich. Burnley is going to be a bigger test. I think he's still going to get the nod at Burnley. Um, just to put it in perspective, we played Burnley in the last three Premier League games. We've won none of those games, scoring only one goal across all three. So um, it, it's going to be a test. It's going to be a test. Um, I know they, like you said, they just lost to Everton, but um, for so we have these like bogey teams, and recently, and uh, Burnley's been one of those teams for us. Actually, most teams have been one of those teams for us <laughs> recently, but uh, Burnley specifically. So um, I, I like I like what I saw from Maitland Niles. Uh, I, I think he's going to have to do a little bit more to steal it from your 
from from Jaka though once he's able and ready to play again. Uh, I have a feeling that as much as people don't want to hear that, I think the second Jaka is available for selection. He he's one of the first names on the team sheet for Arteta, and I don't think that uh, Maitland Niles has done enough, or uh, even Lukanga has done enough to to change that. I think it's going to be Partey Jaka in midfield when he comes back. So that's going to be a big test for him. He's going to really need to put on a performance uh, in order to affect that selection. Like Ramsdale did when he was put in. I keep coming back to Ramsdale because I, re- I really do think that he had an excellent game. And I think that in, in the manager's mind, there's going to be a question over who is selected now uh, in, in between in the posts. So I don't think that is the case right now for midfield. So I've got a quick question. Just quickly, so everyone's fit at Arsenal apparently, um, and no one's got a red card. Who's your starting midfield to, Josh? Like, who for you starts in centre midfield for any game? For any game, I suppose it's it's Partey and Xhaka until I see more from Lukonga, and obviously because I don't see them in training week in week out, I or a day in day out. After four games, and Lukonga's, you know playing a few games for us. I don't think he played any minutes against City and I don't remember seeing him against Chelsea either. There's certainly a level that he's coming in at that whilst people will as much, you know, turn their torches that they've got towards Granite Xhaka, they'll turn them towards me for saying, to be honest, I'm waiting for Lukonga to displace him. To, that's that's where I'm at right now. Uh, Maitland-Niles, I was going to ask Danny, from you know the Arsenal teams of yesteryear, it seems like Maitland-Niles has got that kind of water carrier role, a bit like we'd see from like Grimondi or. And then I was going to go to Danny for anyone who's slightly past that because I can't remember anyone prior to yeah, Charles Grimondi. Every yeah. decent team needs a player. I mean, I love uh, Maitland-Niles. 124 games for Arsenal. He's one of the most experienced players there. He's only 24 years old. And we saw his adaptability. You need a player who he can play. I'm not going to list the positions. There's about six or seven positions he can play in. And like yesterday, Tommy Asu had to come off because he looked a bit knackered. And then he slotted straight in at right back and did really well. And did he get injured himself and have to go off? Or get a knock and go off? It's a while ago now. I can't remember. But I thought he played really well. And I prefer him to Xhaka in midfield, partly because if something, if, if there's an attack from one of, say, from Tyranny, we know that Xhaka will go to left back. Jacker's no good at left back. We've seen that. He's rubbish at defending in those positions. But then if we've got Maitland Niles playing there, he can go to any one of those fullback positions. He played for England. He got five caps for England by um, with his adaptability being able to go and play at fullback. And so then he can just go back and go and do that. But every team needs a player that can do all those positions, like you're saying, Jules Grimandi, Remy Gard, Perry Groves was more one that could play further forward and cover any position. Paul Merson was another one. He would play anywhere across the, 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 the attack in front or even as a striker. He had a little while like that. Dave Hillier was another one who would go and play all the midfield roles and he would he'd be able to drop back. There's been, can you think of any more, John? Uh, no, but I do, I do appreciate the argument that you, you know, you want players who are versatile, and uh, I would, I would agree that uh, that Maitland Niles can be more versatile than Jaka in many in many instances. But remember, Jaka also played center back at one point. He was also left back at one point. Uh, so you know, I, people people are going to hate that comment, but uh, I think that the reality is, is at least for Arteta's sake, I think that even though perhaps there's a little bit more, you get a little bit more out of Mainsley, uh, Ainsley Maitland-Niles in those versatile roles when he slots back. 
Uh, I think that what you get from the midfielder, play, the midfield player, is 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 much more with with Jaka right now. I, I think that's the way Arteta is going to see it at least. Um, so yes, I think you definitely need a player like that in the squad. But as far as who actually starts, until we see more from the actual designated position that he's in. I, I, I'm hesitant to give it to Maitland Niles right now, which is why I said that this Burnley match is extremely important. One, because historically we we struggle against them, and two, because it's it, you know, as the red card ban is going away, Jack is going to be knocking down the door, and I think generally he's the first name on the team sheet or one of them for Arteta. For better or worse, that's what I think is the case. So you're going to he's going to need to be spectacular in order to change that, and I don't think he has been yet. But I agree in terms of versatility, he's very good. Going back to your question, Carl, I think we all know it's going to be party Xhaka, but because is he not going to give him, make him captain when when uh, Bamiyang was out and then uh, give him a new contract and go, by the way, you're not playing anymore. As much as I'd love it to be, uh, but I think Josh is right that it is going to be Lukonga is going to be the one who is long-term going to be playing in there because you want someone who's, who's full of energy and he's going to do it. And I wouldn't put it past the club. The only reason they've given Xhaka uh, a contract is because in this current um, financial climate, he's worth 15 million at a push. Next summer, everyone's going to have their money again. He could be worth 25 million. Do you think that's got any legs, Josh? Oh, definitely. That's exactly what I think we did. It's the same reason that we gave wow. Cedric such a long... Oh, I made a good point. <laughs> yeah, you know, you get one once a year. That's it. Uh, Thank you very much, everyone. Good night. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You got to the 15th of September. Sorry, everybody. Uh, it's taken me this long. Danny's done his one good point of the year. Uh, we'll see you all in January. It's all uh, downhill another. from here. <laughs> exactly. Uh, no, I think that was exactly the case that we did for Xhaka. Uh, you can see, I wonder if that's why Ramsdale came in as well, uh, that, you know, Leno's only got a year left on his contract. And that's why he got some minutes. He's going to get more than, well, I also go back and say, we don't know what the conversation was that Arteta had with Emmy. I used to play for Arsenal Martinez. Did he? Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's never mentioned it. Um, he's very humble about his time at, uh, at Arsenal. No, no problems with it at all. Uh, and never mentions it in an interview. But what we were told was that Arteta had said to, Martinez that he wouldn't be his guaranteed number one that he'd say maybe you're ninety five percent every game. But well, is this is this alleged or is this what people? No, think? this is what he said. This is what Martinez said that he wasn't guaranteed, and that's the reason he left. Was he wasn't guaranteed the first plate first name on the team sheet afterwards? Well, no goalkeeper should be guaranteed, should they? That's the whole point no. of having backups. No player should be guaranteed because that's exactly. the reason why you you get hungry. And you fight for your position because if you know, unless you're the likes of Messi or Ronaldo, like you walk or Lewandowski, when you just walk into the squad, but you've mm -hmm. got to be good enough to walk into the squad. And unfortunately, none of our players are that good that they can just sort of walk into any squad in the world. I mean, I think healthy competition is always good competition, and it's nice to see that um, we have that between Leno and Ramsdale. Um, the thing is, you don't buy a twenty-four million pound goalkeeper without making the number one, whether it's now or in a year's time. But surely, if you know that Leno will be leaving, and let's be honest, we know that Leno is going to leave next season. There's no doubt about it. Why would you play him? Why would you give someone minutes if you know they're leaving? It's almost like Josh and uh, John, and also uh, Danny. You remember? Do you remember when Bultord was playing for us and? 
he was always going to leave Arsenal. And then Wenger just stopped playing him because he mm -hmm. was literally like, why am I going to play him when you told me that you're going to leave? So if the conversation has been had between Leno and Arteta and the hierarchies at Arsenal where, you know, it's almost an unwritten agreement that you are going to leave next season, whether it be for free or for pennies or whatever it is, then why would you waste money, sorry, waste time giving Leno minutes when we need to make Ramsdale feel more comfortable within the squad? For yeah, me, I agree. Sense, I agree. I agree. Yeah. And I'd say against a side like Norwich, which we know at this level are rather shot shy, that we know that Ramsdale isn't going to, you know, it doesn't matter which one of our goalkeepers we put in. To be honest, with the amount of saves that needs to be made, I'd have been comfortable seeing Renison in goal. Uh, it was that kind of level of opposition. There wasn't really any meaningful shots that Ramsdale really had to deal with. So it's one of those games that Leno would be like, okay, fine, I'll take the rest back in for Burnley or, you know, North London Derby's coming up. I think that's the key of who we see as first choice goalkeeper mm -hmm. uh, who plays that game in a couple of weeks' time. And, uh, yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, I, and I obviously I don't, this is all speculation, but I wouldn't be surprised if Arteta said, listen, the North London Derby, this can be extremely important for a season. It's against, it's the, you know, we're going to have some time to get everyone fit again and get a couple of games under the, under their belt. And, you know, this is a huge, huge game. Uh, you have two games to prove yourself to see who gets to start that one. I don't think Leno automatically starts the North London Derby. And I'm 100% in agreement with you, Josh. I think that'd be extremely telling. If Leno starts the North London Derby, it is hard to say that Ramsdale is, is, is his first choice. And, and, that's only if Ramsdale plays the next match and performs as well as he did against Norwich. Because if he performs well against both of the against Norwich, uh, it, what he did in uh, in the cup competition, and then uh, what he did uh, so for Norwich, what he did in the cup competition, if he does it against Burnley, and then he doesn't start against Tottenham, I think that's very telling. You like your German football, John? What's what's your German team? Uh, I like I like watching Bayern when I'm watching Germany. Um, but you know, I don't really know if I have like a German German team. You know, what I've been watching a lot is uh, is the Dutch league. I've been watching like Ajax and Feyenoord, and I, I actually really like that that Dutch style of football. Um, no, so I was going to say that it was rumours in the summer that um, Leno was going to go to my team Dortmund, and they got when they got the Swiss bloke. Um, can't remember his name, and he's letting thirteen goals in six games, and they paid fifteen million for him. Uh, he's he's twenty four years old, and I'm, I'm just thinking. Dortmund are so good up front and all the, the Bellingham and Reino and all that lot. And then they've got the, the, the young 16-year-old striker and Haaland and all this lot. They've been let down by the goalkeeper. And I wouldn't be surprised if Dortmund came in and went, we might need to buy Leno off you because Leno is top two or three teams in Germany. If he is going to leave us, that's where he's going to go. He's not going to go to Bayern. And uh, I, I think... Dortmund, Dortmund would be the place that he would go. So then, Josh, we'd need or whoever. Then we're going to have to get another goalkeeper because we saw in pre-season Arthur is nowhere near good enough to to start even League Cup games because he was he had a clanger against what was it Hibs? He had a clanger against, and then Rangers yeah. wasn't much better. And and Runnison is out on loan. He's gone to I think the Belgian league without looking it up. I think that's where he's gone. So at the moment we've we've got we've got the I think he's he's Latvian Klein clean. He's uh, Hein is from Estonia. Oh, no, it's it, the Latvian one is um, 26 and gone out on loan, hasn't he? So the Estonian goalkeeper, and he, he looks pretty good, but 
we do need another goalkeeper, don't we? We need to get someone, um, whether we go for the Joe Hart kind of thing where he's gone to Celtic, someone who's who's old and been there before. But we do need to, to think there's going to be another goalkeeper coming in. Didn't you say, Josh, that Leno's contract is up at the end of the season? I think it's up at the end of the season. I thought uh, it was the season after. I thought he had like 18 months left. And that hopefully, was a problem why we need to get not going to be anything for him. I think a backup goalkeeper is not the least of our worries. Like I think that can be done. I think we have more come when the summer comes. I think we have more pressing issues to to think about. And it's definitely like the striker. We're going to be missing a striker because, like I said, it's definitely going to go. Um, really? Well, if he wasn't going to stay, he would have signed the contract by now, wouldn't he? He's running he's, when's his contract up? This definitely summer. This summer. Yes. Oh, so his contract is here as well. Yes. Yeah. So you're talking about Balogun, and like we've been saying in, uh, in the WhatsApp groups, and Balogun really, really needs a loan. He needs to go out. Two play. goals against Man United in the under 23s. That's but he needs good. to play. Yeah. He is by the under 23 football. Yeah. He needs to yeah. go out and play maybe Championship football, um, so he can like when you played against. Um, it's Brentford, first Brentford. game of the season. He was you could tell it was men against boys. Like you can, you know, he really was, and he needs to get used to the rough and tumble of, you know, quote unquote, grown up football. Well, it so worked for throw at Huddersfield, didn't it? Yeah, and there's no, yeah. there's no, there's no harm in going down the league. No harm yeah, at all. Jack as well. Yeah. Jack went to yeah. Bolton. It, it, hurt, it helped our fifty million pound centre back who had been on three successive loans before his season at Brighton as well. There's there's some the people that posh. get yeah, there's some really good uh, teams out there for in terms of loans that they get to players out, they get to yeah, apply their trade and then they come back in and they're ready to go because they've got that I think. Uh, oh. what the hell was that? Oh what? Don't know. Heard it. Sounds like oh. someone's throwing the keyboard down the stairs. Oh dear. Anyway, yeah. yes. So, um, what else were we going to talk about? There was. Uh, should we mention the the other North London derby between Crystal Palace and Spurs? <laughs> Did anybody oh, see it? What happened there? The best. The best part about the best part about that is that they they the Spurs on on their social media put like a debut with like a crown king, you know, or what's his name. And yeah, and if you yeah, and he's like doing this tackle and it's like this action shot. But if you look in the background, you could see like two nil that they're losing. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's so funny. So the, I mean, they're they're almost worse enemies with this kind of stuff. But look, uh, you know, Spurs losing is always is always positive. And then what? Yo, sir, what's up with? Okay, so here, listen. Here's my like soapbox for a second. So Zaha friggin' choke chokes a dude, right? Did he even get a card? I think he got a yellow card for it. Xhaka did the same thing, gets sent off, gets a red card. What the hell? Any, anyone? Did anyone see that? I've not, I don't watch Match of the Day, so I've not seen any of it. But apparently, uh, I've seen people talking about it and saying that, that, that he just spent the rest of the game trying to kill him. I think it was yeah. maybe Alan Davis was saying that. He said, that's, you, rile, you rile him up, and then he has, he has a great game. Which yeah. didn't, and he mentioned something about Gwendozi doing the same thing to Zaha, and then Zaha just haunted him for the rest of the game. It was Mope. When he went and grabbed Mope by the oh, throat. Oh, is that what he was referring yeah. to? 
Yeah. So, uh, so, you know, it's just, it's annoying. It's like, come on, man. How many times are, how many, especially it's Jaka on the end of this. Like how many times is he going to get penalized for something that nobody else, you know, everyone else well, does he's got it previous, really hasn't he? I mean, like that one where he, he um, did the sliding tackle near, near the, the touchline a couple of seasons ago off straight away. And everyone else went, well, if that had been anyone else other than him, he wouldn't have got sent off, but he knows this and he still bloody does it, though. Well, that's the thing of the inconsistencies between the rest. And I don't necessarily think exactly. we need to talk about them today. But Martin Atkinson, we've seen that tackle on Richarlison from this weekend against Burn uh, in the Burnley oh, game. Burnley game. Where, you know, comes off and uh, it's only a yellow, uh, it might be a yellow card. I, I think it might have just been given as okay. It's almost identical to what Xhaka got sent off for. Uh, on Cancelo, and that's that's where the inconsistencies are uh, generally. And... Well, doesn't it, Josh, doesn't it worry yeah. you playing Burnley next game? Where yeah. even I saw the interview with Sean Dyche afterwards, and he was saying, "Oh yeah, football's getting back to what it used to be," and that's scary for me because when I hear things like that, I think mm. of Stoke, and I think of Aaron Ramsey getting his leg broken. I think of Eduardo getting his um his leg broken, yeah. and. It worries me that, you know, someone like Sean Burnley, and it is Brexit football, let's be honest, it's rough them up. You can, t you can tell what's going to happen on Saturday, isn't it? You can just tell it's going to be stick your boot in, rough them up, Arsenal don't like it rough, get your boot in. And it's going to be, someone is going to get injured really, really badly. And it, it really, really does worry me that Sean Dyche can speak like that to say, oh, yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, football's getting back to what it used to be. Um, it's a man's game, blah, 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 blah. Well, yes, I understand that it's a man's game. Mm. And people need to get tackled, and I, and I get that. But there's a way of doing it. And sticking your boot and leaving it and um, being rough is not part of it. Now, it's going to take, again, someone to get their leg broken this season for mm. someone to look at it and say, That's, that shouldn't be. And you can tell that... I pray, I really hope that no one um, gets their lip broken this season or the rancor. I mean, um, I really hope that Liverpool guy gets his um, comes back fully fit because that tackle, that tackle wasn't even that bad for me. No. It wasn't a bad tackle, but you know, it was a it was a tackle that obviously broke his ankle. And it, as soon as I was watching it, and as soon as I saw it, you saw his foot go the other way, and I was like, "Oh, he's broken his ankle," and obviously yeah. they didn't show it afterwards, but. For a team like Burnley, who are the new, let's face it, they are the new Stoke of the Premier League, does it worry you, John, that something like that may happen this season and it's going to take someone to get really badly injured before someone takes action? If, you know, I, I, I'm not 100% sure I, I I see the trend of it becoming more like it was back then. Um, I think it's hard to say because it's so inconsistently, the refs are so inconsistent. There are some matches and some challenges where you think, wow, this reminds me of 10, 15 years ago um, and nothing happens. And then that same challenge later gets a red card or uh, a challenge that's absolutely nothing gets a red card versus later when it gets nothing. So it's this inconsistency which makes it hard to determine whether we've actually you know, there is a concern regarding the level of refereeing and whether it's kind of transported us back to a different time in the Premier League. If that's the case, then yeah, these are the kind of teams, the Burnley-type teams um, uh, are are the ones that, you know, the, the, these are the concerning ones, right? Where the where it's less about maybe being uh, playing attractive football and more about bullying the opponent physically or getting in your face and, and, and really challenging for 50-50 for tackles and, and things like that. So that's the concern for me is that, 
it's not so much that it's going back anywhere. It's just that the inconsistency in policing the games is creating a potentially dangerous environment where players themselves probably, and we've heard them speak out on this, don't necessarily know what the rules are anymore for better or for worse, whether, you know, and even like Klopp was, was going out and saying, ah, what is, what, what is offsides in, in, anymore even? What is, uh, what is a, a foul, uh, a reckless challenge anymore? So there are certain things that, you know, there was a famous U.S. Supreme Court justice that said, um, you know, about pornography that you'll know when you see it. And usually that was with me about red cards, but I don't know anymore when I see a red card. So perhaps in that sense, it's going back to another day, but even then we knew what a red card was, right? Um, it, it, so we'll see, but yes, these kind of Burnley games are the ones that are the concerning ones, if that's the case. Didn't someone got uh, sent off last night when he only got a yellow and the referee gave him a second yellow and sent him off an English referee in, in one of the European games? Sounds right. players argue with him going, I've not, you've not yellow carded me yet. So he went yellow and then red. He said, well, what, what are you doing? And, and referees don't like to be, to be questioned. And even the Liverpool player has said that wasn't a red card tackle. Yeah. And he's the one with the broken bone or whatever he did to him. It's just... I think every... And we, we've actually talked about this on this podcast last time I was on here. So the fact that we're coming full circle again just shows that it's still a pervasive issue. It's that a lack of transparency with respect to the refereeing. I don't want to get into that again because we talked about it ad nauseum last time. But, you know, part of it is just a lack of accountability and transparency, especially in the, in the FA with how these refs are treated. They think they're gods and they get away with a lot because there's there's no repercussions for them. So... Yeah, that's a, another topic anyway. I think I remember saying at the time that's a very, very British thing that you don't question those above you, those in charge. I think that's the yeah. point I made. But it's look, like, here we it's are like, still. <laughs> it's like the British tax laws. It's so overly complicated. Mm-hmm. Everything is there's just they need to simplify everything in football when it comes to the referees or just get rid of them. Or I don't know why this hasn't happened yet. Josh, have foreign referees. You don't referee in your own country, you don't referee the team you support. How about we go one step further? Oh, I mean, I, I well, think no one would every point in this ref, would they? <laughs> yeah, I think that's partly one of the problems is that they won't go on their horizons. <laughs> yeah, they'll be all down in League One where they deserve to be with a game that's a lot slower for them. I mean, I've uh, been lucky enough to be watching live football this season. Uh, Which one? Stadium. Uh, uh, Forest Green, wasn't it? Just generally. No, I've seen Forest Green before. I'm talking about um, being at Brighton and watching John Moss barely leave the center circle for 90 minutes <laughs> the fat fuck is not fit to w- is, is he trying to do it like one of those people on the aircraft carriers where they've got the panels and they're saying, running around like that i remember playing a sunday league game with a referee who was in his 80s who was exactly the same but he had at least had the excuse that he was 80 and not at an elite level uh this guy was just there's something that just needs to be done here that, you know, there is a perfect opportunity to be sending these guys out to pasture in the, you know, send them to Stockley Park. They can just set work the VAR. They might still have, you know, the refereeing brain, but they don't have the pace. They don't have the physicality to keep up with it. And that's where we can start bringing in younger referees who have got that kind of hunger. They've got that, you know, they're fit. They're just fit referees. They're, Maybe referees in rugby. I don't even watch it, and I know they're they're all fit as British dogs, aren't they? But you can have someone inexperienced there with then an experienced head talking them through any of the complicated decisions they've got to deal with. But as you say, they're all too proud 
They're all twats, and I can't <laughs> wait for a lot of them to be. Am I making this up when I say that didn't we get a referee from the A-League in Australia to come over here? So we do. We do have an A-League ref over here. Uh, they were in the championship for a bit, and I think we've it's the start. It's the first one we've got. Um, I don't think Andre Andrew Mariner counts as a foreign referee. Oh, where's um, he from? I'm pretty sure it's from somewhere like Stockport. But, um... I think that does count as foreign. <laughs> how, about, how about another topic that's that I saw in the news today? Just sums. I remember the whole Nicholas Bentner and the advertising on his pants. Ajax have got three little birds on the back of their kit, and mm. FIFA have gone banned. You're not having that. Mm-mm. What the hell are the, the? You can go and racially abuse whoever you want and do whatever you want and as much violence as you want in the ground. Oh, that's uh, just don't do it again, all you Eastern European fruitcakes. But you have you have three little birds that, that is a lovely thing to look at, and they go, no, that's banned. What the fuck? It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. I'm lucky. I ordered that shirt before it got banned, so I'm waiting for it to come because I I do like that shirt, so I, I did order it as soon as it was available. So shipping this way over to from Holland as we speak, but yeah, it is silly. Like it's, it's very weird that you know something like UEFA, a big organization, can as soon as it affects their money, then straight away uh, they'll do something about it. But when it comes to um, racism in football, you know they're dragging their feet, and it doesn't make sense for me. But. You know, it's one of those things, money talks, unfortunately. Like, it, it really does. It just reminds me of the, the Super League when that first announced, when Sky Sports done an hour-long special on it because they were going to lose the biggest teams and, you know, their Super Sunday was going to be Wolves versus Burnley. Um, <laughs> and then we get, no, get no TV rights. But when it comes to racing and football, there's no hour-long special about it. It just, it, it's it's almost comical. And it's, it's you know, sometimes... Uh, it's worth talking about, but sometimes you, you know what more can you do? And anyway, let's keep this arsenal. I've got something yeah, I want to I was, ask you. So go on, Josh. I was going to say on that note, uh, we can talk back about Burnley, I suppose, and what our thoughts were for the game. All that kind of. Um, yeah, um, it's it's going to be a hard game. I think. I think it's going to be a very physical game. Which, although Thomas Partey is back. Is it a game? I mean, I know you shouldn't really be scared of the opposition, mm-hmm. but is it a game that you would start Thomas Partey given his injury record? Because they're going to be very rough. They're going to be very rough with us uh, completely. And, you know, um, it's going to be a game where I think the physicality is going to really show. And um, I think we need people like. I would love someone like Granit Xhaka to play this game, but unfortunately, he's not available. For me, I would go possibly a three-man midfield just to build up numbers in the middle. Watching the game against Everton, they don't offer that much. They sort of collapse. And some, it did make me laugh that looking at the Burnley record, in the last seven games, they've not won a game. They've conceded something like 14 and not and scored like maybe three goals. So they're playing Arsenal, so you know what's going to happen in it. That record's completely going to change, obviously, afterwards. But for me, I don't know about you, Danny. Would you go? Would you change the team in any way from the Norwich game? Because it's going to be a different kettle of fish playing uh, Burnley than what we played Norwich. 
Well, I think you've got a point there. Just looking at Burnley this season, they're in an 18th place. They've conceded eight goals in four Premier League games. They've only scored three. And we all know that, um, uh, what's the what's his name? The manager. Sean Dyche. Sure, I keep thinking Sam Dyche. Sam thingy bob um yeah so i think the point you're making carl stick players in who we can afford to be without for the next month while they're, <laughs> while they're recovering from injury so i expect kolasinic to start in midfield he, he said go, go on Ed, go, go out there and get yourself a three-game ban take one of for every one of ours you take two of theirs <laughs> you have to go you have to go like that but yeah I I'm surprised, Carl, when he was talking about party earlier. He played all 15 of our last 15 games of last season in a row in the Premier League. I honestly thought it was play three, missed five, play six, missed two. It wasn't. And so he, he showed that he can play regularly, but he just needs to have people with him. But I would not risk party in that game. I wouldn't risk anybody who is going to be a key player for us this season. How about you, John? I, I'm scared to. I mean, if party goes, I, like that's that's the midfield plans, uh, in my opinion, for the season gone. Um, and it's 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 a game that is going to be a physical battle. Um, I think that he that Arteta needs to be uh, a little bit hesitant to start him in this game. Now, I don't really know how how he does that, considering we're needing the momentum. I, this is it's annoying a must-win game, but I, it really, really, really we need to start getting something, some more points on the board and and some movement forward on the table. So I don't know if he really has a choice but to play Partey in this game. Now uh, Carl mentioned a three-man midfield that might be the way to go just to protect him that he's not doing as much uh, so that he can get rid of the ball quicker and maybe there's less of a chance of there being pressure on him where he can get injured. Um, that's one option. I, I don't know if that's necessarily how you want to line up against this Burnley side, but I don't know how how Arteta is going to approach it. But it's definitely I'm not envious of the position he's in right now, given how important party is going to be for the rest of our season and just coming off an injury. But I'm not really sure he has an alternative if this if this is as he would view a must win game, especially leading up to the North London derby. We're going to want some momentum going up into that game. Yeah, I, I'd say I. I'd be starting Partey in this. Uh, he needs the minutes for his legs. Yeah, I'd start in Partey. He's, yeah. He only played half an hour in the last game against Norwich. Mm-hmm. Let's see if he can get him up to the hour mark in this one and put him next to Laconga. Because if we only play Partey in our midfield and we go with, I don't know, a similar line. But we have we got had. the Wimbledon game before Spurs. Couldn't you use that to give him more time? That's what I was thinking. That's what I would start him in that game. Because that is, I think got. A- I, I don't think he sees those games as ones for what he views as starting players to be playing in. I think those are your your games to play uh, the young players like Aziz, maybe Balogun, or, or Balogun rather, not Aziz, um, uh, Patino, those kind of players. That's where we're going to see those players come in. I don't think those are going to be matches for our first team players to get fit. I think that's another Maitland Niles in midfield game, right. to be honest, because that's the player I'm looking at right now from the starting lineup. That's the only change I'd be making is bringing Partey in for Maitland Niles. You've got Laconga and him in midfield. And that's the thing is when we're talking about the physical battle, we need to have physical players in there. And if we're talking about not having Partey, who's the other physical players? We've already said Jack is not there. Is it El Nenny? Really? It's certainly not Maitland-Niles. It's not going to be Odegaard and Smith-Rowe together like we've seen in uh, 
you know, early parts of the season. Mm-hmm. It, Partey has to start this game. And for me, I'm not making too many changes from the starting eleven we saw. Maybe Smith Rowe comes in for Saka. Would you risk Saka after the kicking he got in the first half That's against the only The only reason I'd say I'd bring Smith Rowe in for Saka is because looking at that Everton side, they have inverted wingers and they just couldn't cope with it in terms of uh, what about, Burnley. What about uh, starting Lacazette? I mean, we're talking about a physical uh, match. I think he's a little bit more sturdy uh, and we're going to probably need that a little bit. Um, so I, I think that might be one that we'll see change. Maybe, maybe we see, um, yeah, maybe it's one for Lacazette up top and Aubameyang goes out to the wing. Yep. Know, a bit like we've seen, uh, say it's Gray and Townsend, basically. Mm-hmm. Do you think we the, need to do much to beat Burnley? Can we, can we take it a little bit easier? We, we, score. We, we have, we've only scored one game in three, like I said, one game in three matches against them. We haven't had a single win in the last three Premier League meetings with them. So uh, we got to do something different. <laughs> yeah, and mm. I, th- I think there's... We know how they're going to play. There's one thing I would look at probably towards the second half, and that would be Rob Holding coming on for Ben White uh, if they're still pumping long balls up to presumably Wood and Barnes. I mean, if, we, um, if we've got the lead, then you want someone to come no, in. No, 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 no. If we've got the lead, this is irrespective. Uh, that's one of the things that you've got to be making. We're talking about the physical battle. Mm. Uh, ben White, his weakness is airily. So they, he's going to be targeted, especially because they play two up top. And that's the thing that we need to be conscious of. I wouldn't take him out immediately for the game, not protect him. He's a good enough player to mm. play around that. But if he is struggling, we've got a player like Rob Holding who can come on and we know we'll be able to do the business, at least with his head. And to be honest, I think we're good enough generally that if he played the ball to anybody, you know, a simple pass, rather than having to do something creative like Ben, we'd look, for Ben White to do will be okay. I'm excited to see Tommy in this game because I think that it's going to be a because we're always talking about at least what we've heard about him being this kind of physical defender um, and being able to slot into that center back role. I think it, this is going to be a good test for him. You know, he definitely looks sturdy, looked the part against Norwich. So I'm excited to see uh, against like a proper like fighting English side what he can do. Yeah, he's another one that I think is exactly plays probably again 60 minutes for us beds in Callum Chambers off the bench is probably the change we see it's something like that to maintain the aerial prowess that we'll have um but yeah uh, that's what I'd kind of expect to see generally from us and I wouldn't be running scared especially as we only play a game a week right now and if we're getting the luck of the draw I would say in the cup competitions I think as we said as we say, AFC Wimbledon gives us an opportunity to ask a, not have to play the first team. Ask a question about that. I've just checked. If you win the, the League Cup, you get into the playoff round of the Europa Conference. Does that hinder? Oh, lucky us. Does that put a, a bit of a kibosh on the, oh, we're going to have to try and win this to get into Europe because we do not want to be in that co- Europa Conference, do we? I think we need to win a, a trophy this no matter what trophy it is, Arteta needs to win a trophy. And there's only three hmm. on show to pick. One of them, we've got little to next to no chance. <laughs> Which one's that, Carl? The Premier League. No spoilers. Yeah. Um, so I think that the League Cup is something that he's definitely going to go for. Um, we need to be uh, getting to the last four of either or both. 
uh, domestic competitions this season. Agreed. I think there's no excuses, really. There's no reason. There's no reason to rest players. Like I know no. um, what you were saying, Jack, about sort of playing the the kids, but there's no reason to play the kids. Respectfully, I think this season they're going to have to take a uh, you know a sit out of the end cup competitions because. There is no reason to. We got one game a week with a cup game thrown in there every, you know, four or five weeks. We can afford to play our strongest team in almost every game. There's no reason to rest players. I mean, yes, I understand that players get injured and players, you know, sometimes need to sit out, and I totally understand that. But for me, we should be playing our first team every single week. We don't have to rest players. We don't have the luck. We don't even have the luxury of kind of resting players for the simple mm. fact that. You know, we don't have European competition. And the way that Arsenal are playing right now, we want the strongest squad every single game. So, like Josh said, and I totally agree, we do need to get to at least the semi-finals of both cup competitions. And then obviously, depending on who we come up against, a City, a Chelsea, a Manchester United, um, a Liverpool, a Leicester, that's too many teams for me to name. But um, to see, you know, just how how well we do. But... um, it's. I understand what like what Josh is saying about playing party, but for me, uh, I don't know. Is it worth? We need to get points on the board, and I think we've got a good feeling around the club right now, and I, and I really want to maintain that. And obviously, we're only as good as your last game you play. If we do end up kind of maybe not getting uh, three points against Burnley. Does that bad feeling then come back again? And is the whole doom and gloom around the club Arteta out? And then you're going into yeah. The the question will be why didn't Partey play? And if it's because we're scared of him getting injured, what's the fucking point? So one one quick because I think Carl, you brought up a good point. I just want to clarify something because I think I think there's a distinction with the difference there. So one of the and I think a lot of you agree. One of the best things that have been that has happened around this club are the emergence of players like. Uh, Saka and players like um, Emil Smith Rowe. I think that they've been this kind of bright spot, these young academy graduate players that have been able to step in. They were only able to step in because we had these auxiliary tournaments at that point, auxiliary like Europa, where Emery was able to bring in Jack uh, Saka and uh, and Emil Smith Rowe, and they were able to shine and then actually burst their way into the first team. Now being some of our greatest assets, literally in the game scenario and assets in terms of valuation at the club. So none of that would have happened if they didn't get that opportunity. So when I'm talking about not starting players like Partey, et cetera, in, in, in the, uh, the auxiliary games that are not the league, I'm not saying it because I'm more concerned about them getting injured and, and needing to rest these players, but rather these are those opportunities for players like Patino, Patino and, and Balogun to, to, to break into potentially the first team. And, and uh, we don't have Europa now. So those are the competitions that those kind of players, the only opportunity that those type kind of players are likely going to get, going to get unless they get some games in, in the league this season, which I don't necessarily know if, if it's in the plan for Arteta. So it's less about me being concerned that we're not going to, uh, that the players need rest and more concerned that if we play our first team every single game week in week out, just because we can, we're going to miss out on these players being able to, on a higher level than in playing for the under 23s, uh, make a breakthrough into the first team. I think that's 100%. where loan deals. I think that's where loan deals come into play as well. Mm-hmm. That being sure. smart about loan deals can help give them minutes that they wouldn't necessarily get at a higher level than, as you say, the under twenty threes or a more competitive level mm-hmm. than the under twenty threes. I think I'd also look at uh, other players that have come through uh, from the system. I'm thinking particularly of Cesc Fabregas, 
who broke through. And when he broke through, he was playing in basically the first team, uh, you know, week in, week out. So he had that support around him. And maybe that's what we need rather than, you know, Saka and uh smith Rowe almost came out from adversity what i'd like to see is maybe an easier you know not necessarily a baptism of fire for our young yep. players i don't want patino coming into the team because we need to and we're digging around in the uh under 20 under 21 team for something because we haven't got it in the first team i'd like him i think we can give them a better pathway we've got that strong spine and that's where yeah if patino came in I'd like to see someone seen, you know, a senior side around it rather than an entire 11, 11 made up of the under 23s in that regard, which I think would probably strikes the balance of where, where we're getting to that, you know, it might be resting Partey, but it's still a midfield that's got El Nenny in it. Lacazette might be a starting striker to help these guys through the game. Uh, we've still got plenty of experience in the squad and players that will want game time. Um, especially in defence, I think the drop off in our defenders, they're going to have a solid, uh, you know, back five behind them. I think whichever team, uh, you know, whichever players group of players come out, you're going to have Tavares at left back probably, or Kalasnic if we're really looking for experience over ability, um, and then yeah, holding <laughs> Pablo Mari, Chambers, all these players are going to want game time. And I think just having that solid, solid, you know, kind of back five behind them, that's going to give those young kids that we can drop maybe one or two of them in and we right. don't have to go. We need to rotate the entire squad out because we're playing games every week. I, I have a question um, and this could be a nostalgic one and I'm going to leave Danny to answer this question last. <laughs> so Arteta just invited Jack Wilshire to come back to, to, to train with us. And obviously in January, when African Cup of Nations is taking place, we are going to be sort of hampered in the centre midfield part. Mm. Uh, so it's a question to all of you, but Danny, you answered this last. So I'll go John, then Josh, then Danny. Uh, would you give Would you give Jack Wilshire um, a contract for six months, 10, 20 grand a week, whatever? Um, not for nostalgic reasons, but just as cover for... January, sort of January, February transfer window time, um, just to give us cover for the African Cup of Nations. Or do you think that that ship has definitely sailed? It's gone, uh, and he should just only train with the club and that's it. So I'll go to Josh first. Oh, I thought you were going to me first. Okay. Oh, yeah, sorry. no, you did a little, uh, you did a little curve. Oh, so, John, John first, John first. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, well, you said if not for nostalgia purposes, and that's where you lost me because I think if we sign him, I would do it for nostalgia purposes, not because I think that he'd be good backup for us in the app. I think that we can go out and get a, a you know, a, another player or, or promote someone from, you know, within the under 23s or something like that to cover for us in, in the African Cup of Nations. Like, that's a good opportunity for that. That being said, I would love Jack to be back at the club in some capacity one way or another. I, I think that he's he is an absolute uh, icon for some of these younger players. We saw Saka post on his social media about how important he was to all the academy kids. Um, it, it, I think he would bring a lot in that regard. But um, I don't necessarily – I think he's a little past it in terms of – and I hate to say that, uh, just his ability to cope with this kind of level of football um, – but that doesn't mean that he shouldn't be around the squad, especially these younger players, these younger academy players as well. I think he's, he'd be a great influence on them. Um, but I think that there's probably better 
more uh, realistic targets within the squad and perhaps if we really need it in the January transfer window when those players leave um, to, to give us cover. You know, you have your El Nini, you know, uh, Patino is another one we were just talking about. There are, there are other midfielders there at this club that are waiting for an opportunity. So I would feel a little bit hesitant to do to give it to, to Jack. But I'd like him here. I'd like him here. That's the ultimate thing here. But it's not for non-nostalgia purposes. It's for being able to build with these younger players, being a role model. And I just I just like the guy a lot. <laughs> that's, that's it. So that's my argument. Yeah, I think for me, it depends on what Arteta sees when he comes in for training. Uh, would I be signing on nostalgia reasons? No. Uh, do I think he could bring stuff to the club? Perhaps in, you know, as we're talking about the advice that, or at least being a role model, uh, I don't know whether or not advice came into that. For me, I think in terms of advice for kids coming through the academy level, well, we've got our head of academy for that in Per Mertesacker. That's his job, is to see those kids through the pipeline. And I don't know whether or not having Jack Wilshire in there, is that what he's wanted to do at the moment? Does he still feel like he's got playing days still left in him? Because to be honest, if I'm signing him in, it's as a coach. Uh, yeah. That's that's for me. I'm having him in as a coach. He's working with like the under 16s, the under 17s, maybe. Uh, is he going to be offering anything to the first team in terms of opportunity? Just like John said, African Cup of Nations come around at a great time for us because we're in a transfer window. If we need players, let's go and get some because I think we'll get somebody better than somebody that we remember about a performance that was probably a f over a decade ago. And that's where I'm a bit like, no, we, we haven't seen that Jack Wilshire for a while. He, there were obviously reasons of why Bournemouth broke down and there's been some great uh, interviews he's put out and great interviews held with him about his time at Bournemouth. But for me, I think he needs, I would be looking at having someone with a more well-rounded experience uh, to be a role model to these kids rather than just a poster boy of this is what could happen if you come through the academy. Because I think we've got those now. The guys in the academy are now looking at Smith Rowe. They're now looking at Saka. Those are the role model players that have come through the academy. Ainsley Maitland-Niles, we've got him as well. Uh, I think maybe Hector Bellerin was one. We, we've got these players with experience that have come through. We're not missing players who have come through the academy who can help and be that kind of role model to the Untwitchers. We don't need to supplement that with Jack Wilshire. That's the main reason why I wouldn't look to bring him in. Uh, and I would look to say, Jack, if you can't get a contract, you have to think about coaching. There's always a spot for you. Come in, see what you like, do your badges with us. Uh, but to be honest, I see Jack kind of playing over further afield. You know, he's he's now got more of like an international life. Um, you know, his new partner is Greek. I wonder if that's going to play any influences with where he may end up playing. But um, right now, it's it's not one that I'd even contemplate looking at other than being, um, you know, we had Pires training with us because he couldn't afford a, a pure gym membership for two or three seasons. And I think it would be the same for Jack. We would let him train with us, um, see what he can do. But I, I wouldn't expect him to be coming in, um, yeah, for full time. Uh, I would say there's some interesting developments I've seen with some coaching setups where they bring in 
players toward the end of their career and they sign them on as a player <laughs> slash manager, but it's the manager of the under 18s or the under 23s. And it allows them then to be registered as a player to play in certain cup competitions for them, like the Carabao Cup or the whatever it's called now, Checker Trade Trophy. Um, you'll see from this week the Brighton. Under John's? I can't remember what it's called now. It's, you, you said that the teams have been buying players at the end of their career. Uh, yeah. and, I, and I was just laughing because I feel like that's that's exactly what our transfer policy has been for like the last three oh, seasons definitely. with all these Chelsea players. Definitely, <laughs> it has been. And that's the great thing about our transfer window last season was we've gone, well, fuck yeah. it, the experienced players aren't working. Exactly. Um, but the kind of point I was going towards was looking at people may have heard that a 35-year-old got sent off uh, for Brighton in the uh, Checker Trade Trophy or whatever it's called now. Um, you know, where the under-21s can play. And I think Arsenal under-21s play in that competition as well. And he is the manager or one of the coaches for that team. And he just sits in the midfield. And he's like an, a coach for the players, talking them through. That's the point. It was Andrew Cross beforehand with them. And that's just a way that we can start creating this almost like managerial merry-go-round or mar managerial um, just building basically managers through there as well as building players. We can be that club that we can go, hey, We'd be like Man United. How many ex-Fergie players do we, have we seen managing clubs in the Premier League that give him three points, or used to give him three points every time he turned up mm -hmm. at their grounds? Uh, and I think that's something that we could start doing, is getting proud of maybe seeing some of these ex-players coming back and going into the under-21s and giving them that kind of uh, experience, uh, whilst also still being able to do it on the pitch as well. Oh, I'd say uh, Pepe has the number 19 shirt, so that means he's not coming back because he's only worn, I think he might have had a higher number years ago, but 19 and 10. And as much as I'd love to see him come back, same as you, John, because he's one of my favourite players. He's only 29. He's uh, he's had quite a lot of time out without injury, and some idiot on Twitter went, yeah, that's because of COVID, no one's playing. No, you fucking idiot, no. He did about a third of a season with Bournemouth. Never had high ratings, but they're going. If you, if you stick a, a really good player in with some shit players, they're not. They're not always going to bring them to his level more often than not, as we've seen with Arsenal over the years. The the, the the great player gets taken down to the shit level of all of our rest of our shit players. I'd love to see him come back. But Dave Hillier said on on the Highbury squad yesterday that he's he talked to someone who who knows him and said he has no intention of coming to Arsenal. He just wants to come back, get fit, join him with all the stuff like so many like Beckham did. And so many players over the years have come back to Arsenal and trained with them until they're looking for a new club. And then he'll probably end up with a, a lower league Premier League, a lower level Premier League club. Well, again, that's Arsenal, isn't it? So he is coming back. <laughs> I don't believe. I don't believe that he he's not. He wouldn't want to come to Arsenal. And you would like this, Danny. Uh, when when Gibbs came to Inter Miami, which is the MLS team here uh, or there over in Miami, uh, what's his, uh, Jack commented on the post that uh, uh, Kieran Gibbs post on Instagram saying. You know, are they looking for any midfielders or something like that? So, um, so you know, I, I think that if Arsenal came uh, saying, hey, come train with us, he absolutely would. I don't buy that. Well, I think he's maybe saving a little bit. I didn't I didn't want to anyway. No, but I'd, I'd yeah. love to see him back. And I'd love great. to see it work yeah. out. But he, he, he wouldn't be the same Jack Wilshere that we had years ago because mm. he's had even more ankle injuries when he was at West Ham. And I think he had a knock at Bournemouth. And uh, I think he was out for 200 odd days. I was looking at transfer market the other day when he was at West Ham and then he come back and then he got another huge injury out for, for a long time. So, uh, but 
I could see that being the point, right, let him come back and say non-contract player. You can pay as you play. I don't know. I don't know if anyone in the Premier League ever does that, though, do they? They never go, oh, we've got an old player. Let him come back. No, it's it's not going to happen, but I'd love it if it did, Josh. Okay. Mm. So uh, <laughs> there's two yeah. who would like it, but none of us think that he actually is. Good question, question, Carl. Good question, Carl. Yeah. Oh, it was Excellent. Carl's question. I thought it was Josh's yeah. question. Nope. I'll give him just a credit again. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. John, were you going to say something about the Ajax kit? Because it looked like you were about to say something. And then oh, no, I'm gone. not watching it yet. Oh, the kit or the yeah. game? I'm not, I have the game recorded. I haven't watched it yet. All oh, right. No, about the thing on the back of the kit. You look like oh, you no. Just, just, yeah, just wafer's so full of shit. It's like, <laughs> that's it. That's it. The kit is so beautiful. I, I ordered, I, I could, they were out. So I got a fake one. We'll see how, how that turns out. Um, but, yeah, I know. Um, we'll we'll see, but no, it's ridiculous already with this with the wafer. They're so so full of shit, so full of shit. Certainly are. Um, before we move on to the questions, do you reckon we should have a little talk about how we think the season's going to go from this point onwards, or is it a little <laughs> bit too early to tell? Are you any more full of confidence because we got the? Uh, oh, is that the Tommy Asu thing? That 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 volley that he had that that has filled me full of confidence for the for the rest of the season. <laughs> That he's on it and it just looks good. And we've run. We have another international break coming up in what four weeks to. uh, Oh, great. So I've got to be out with COVID. Brilliant. (laughs) I think that you you can only listen. We had a great, we had a a win against um, Norwich and the good times are are back, (laughs) kind of. Um, You have to. (laughs) You can only play who's in front of you and we won against Norwich. Was and we're going to beat Wimbledon, so that'd be three wins in four, Cole. Well, see, you're very confident we're going to beat Wimbledon. <laughs> that you are extremely confident. I, I'm not so, but no. In all honesty, look, we beat Norwich, and that kind of made us, you know, look a bit a bit good. And you know, we saw some of our new signings, which was good as well. We saw Ben White, um, which we wanted to see him play alongside Gabriel, Tommy Asu, new signing. Um, oh, it's the Tuesday club are calling him Tenko. Fucking hell! God. How do you hear that? But no, I mean, okay, thank that, you for uh, moving on. That's what it okay. deserves. But we need to, we need to be more consistent. We need to test ourselves, and tests are coming up. Burnley away, Tottenham at home. Those are very, very big tests. Where you know, all it, it does take only one loss, and then the whole bad. Fives are back at Arsenal. Um, I'm kind of putting my my John my John Welsh sort of glasses on, where John Welsh was kind of saying, you know, you've got to give him time, got to give him time. Well, he's kind of running out of excuses now. He's got his his first team back. He's he's got time. This is he's had his transfer window. Arteta needs to start proving himself. He needs to start thinking right now. You know, he's got to get results. You know, I know he was sort of talking at the crowd at the Emirates and apparently the crowd were absolutely brilliant at the Emirates. And that's what we need. We need the team, the crowd to get behind the team. For me, he's got to win the next five games in a row. He he has to. And that would allay all fears because he'd have his whole team back. There's no excuses. There's nothing more that he can say to sort of make an excuse. But... For me, where would we finish in this season? I think you're right, Danny. It's too early to tell. It's far. You can't. We've lost three. 
games in the league and only won one against the bottom team in the league. That's not enough to make a, a, a natural assumption of where we're going to be. I think after the Tottenham, if we beat Burnley and beat Tottenham, then I think for me, we're, we're going to be doing well. But consistency is key. And I think goal scoring for us just seems to be a real, real problem. And I don't know why. I don't know. Well, wouldn't you agree that the, the problem has been for the last the whole of Arteta's reign not creating chances? Well, we, we showed at the weekend that we can create chances. So doesn't that give you a little bit of hope? But thirteen to one ratio, sorry, a one in thirty ratio is not good enough. No, <laughs> if you have thirty shots on goal, yes, I understand that a shot on goal could be from fifty yards out and it'd be blocked. I get that, but if you have 30 attempts on score and you only score one and look at the goal that we scored, it was very, very scruffy. It does worry you just a, a tiny little bit. Listen, we got the win and I'm happy about that. Not, trust me, I really, really am. But we need to be more consistent. And yes, at the moment, we, we had problems sort of creating chances. Now we're having problems putting the ball in the back of the net. But that is one where, step closer, isn't it? It is, it is. And with time, it will all change. The problem is, how much time does Arteta have? Well, he's now got virtually the entire... We've seen now that Gabriel's back and White is there and Tomiyasu and Tierney and Ramsdale in goal. We're slowly getting towards a team that is his. That gives this me confidence. No matter what, this is his team. I mean, that he hasn't and... inherited from Wenger or Emery. Uh, but even yes. those, even sorry, even those players, like you look at players that he decided to re-give a new contract to, those are under Arteta. So, you know, he didn't have to give those players another contract and he did. So even the ones that were brought in under another manager, they were renewed with Arteta uh, at, at the helm. So I'm, I'm with Carl on this in the sense that we're finally starting to see what, for the most part, looks like Arteta's team. Hmm. You're, you're, you're contemplating, Josh. Oh, I'm always contemplating. But I don't know. You, got, you uh, must have some wise words on this. What about our thoughts for the rest of the season? I mean... <laughs> I would shit the bed if you answered that in one word. Oh, it's very difficult. Um, I mean, and to be fair, you shit the bed all the time. Um, well, don't say it like it's that unusual. It is old age. <laughs> <laughs> I and must laziness. have a disclaimer. I've, I've never shit the bed. Okay. I need to weed the bed. <laughs> Again, <laughs> haven't we all? <laughs> Somebody say yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> so, not not this side of uh, of what turn maybe five. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I think it's when do you of... get to fifty? Your well, bladder when you get to fifty is like when you say walkies to the dog. It's now, right now, right now. This fucking second. Good luck. Thank you. Um, yeah, I think in terms of where I kind of see us the rest of the season, I'm still just kind of seeing what happens. I don't think you could take at least two of our league games with much more than kind of a pinch of salt in terms of what we actually expected from a fan base. So did we expect to beat Chelsea? Did we expect to beat Man City? Probably not for either of them. Did we? So that, that only leaves us with one dodgy result right now, which is that Brentford game. That we there's still plenty of football to play. I think normally at this time of the season, we're just starting to play, you know, Europa League games or Champions League games. We're going to be talking about, you know, by oh, the end the of the month. I know, right? European <laughs> football, where we could be disappointed twice a week rather than just once. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I think there's a lot of things that we can kind of look at. We'd have more games to kind of 
work out what's going on with this team, but I've still not seen performances that I'm wholly happy with. But let's just wait and see, to be honest, because you can see that the team is growing into it. You know, you could saw you know, some green shoots of recovery in the Norwich game. Uh, you know, the Arteta spine is slowly coming together in terms of on the field. Uh, there's plenty of positives coming into it. And I think once we get into October, we're looking at a side with probably everybody Arteta wants to be fit for starting 11, being back and fully fit. And hopefully some results along the way are going in the right direction so we can talk about being properly positive. Um, but right now I'm still in the kind of contemplation zone. Hence the blank look. <clears throat> Lovely. Right. Um, I'm just looking at some of the results. I'm not going to say what they are, but bloody hell, plenty of goals everywhere. Who wants to read the questions? I shall... <clears throat> I shall um, cut and paste one at a time because StreamYard, although they are Muppets, they still haven't managed to figure out so you can put more than one paragraph in there. So, uh, Carl, do you want to do the questions? Okay. Um, this question is going to be for John, and it's from Matt L. Roberts, and he says, who's one player you'd want to watch next time you are at the Emirates? Hmm. Is it, I guess, does that mean just in general, who's the one to look at at home or while we're there at in the in the stadium? From the, from the current Arsenal squad, who's the one player that you're going to look forward to seeing? Oh, uh, Saka. Okay. Um, Josh, what about you? If you went there, would you be yours? Oh, who's the one player to watch when you're next to the Emirates? I mean, I suppose I've got to go so I could be a proper fan. Um <laughs> But to uh, the one player I want to watch when I next see Arsenal. It's Jack, obviously, right? Well, no, because honestly, <laughs> that was where it was coming from me, was um, was Xhaka, because I kind of, I haven't seen Xhaka for a while playing in the flesh, and I'd like to kind of see, you know, just give you an idea of what he's actually doing in the game, because there's so much you don't see on the field. Uh, obviously, Aubameyang is another player that I'd like to see in terms of you know, because you only really see the midfield when you're watching on TV, you don't see the runs that Aubameyang's making that aren't even picked up by the camera because they're too busy keeping it central rather than panning to go, oh, Aubameyang's making a run, let's go and have a look because the ball's not going to ever get played there. So I think that's one of the things that I'd be really interested to see uh, would be what's going on in the midfield. I think generally Partey and Laconga. Uh, would also be uh, just generally anyone in the midfield just getting up close and kind of seeing the player and kind of feeling the, the you know you get that kind of aura of certain players as well and just seeing that would be the big thing that I want to see um, I've, I've already I've seen Saka and Smith Rowe a couple of times already uh, to know what you roughly get there uh, it's the players that you haven't seen um, over Covid that you'd really want that I really want to have a look at yeah I haven't gotten to see Saka live yet so I'm excited uh, for that to happen. Yeah. yeah, I was fortunate enough to see him at um, the Blackpool game when he came mm. on. Uh, Joe nice. Willock scoring two goals as well. So yeah, gotta love it. Uh, gotta love it. Yeah, this is some great, some great talent that we've got there as well. Okay, uh, this one is from Fred. Good Danny just put it in there. Someone guy called Fred hasn't said he's at or nothing like that. So, and for you, Danny, I'll let you answer this. It says, what's your all-time Arsenal 11? But everyone plays based on their shirt number. 
So Henri, there isn't a full team, and Vieira would have to play at centre back. Ah, well, so you can, can think about this and argue with me as I go along, but this t- I went and actually had a look at them. So one Seaman, two Dixon, three Cole, four Vieira. Because Adams wharfs six, you can still have two centre backs, Keown five, Adams six, and then you'd have uh, Sanchez seven, left wing, right and Berg camp up front, and eight and ten, right wing, Merson, because he could play along any of them. And the hardest one was finding a number 11. Who could play? We need someone in central midfield. And I've gone for Terea. Anybody also. want to argue? Yeah, but you, you, you can't have Erzlan Bergkamp on the same side, can you? Well, you Why could not? do. There's no rules he here. Fit. There's no rules here, Danny. Do you have a Bache? He doesn't do away games. I heard no, someone, I heard someone no, tweeted so that. Bergkamp doesn't even fly. How's he going to get here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, anyone else got any alterations to that? It's a decent question. So it took me about 10 minutes to look all that up. But it didn't pick as uh, so we need two cent- proper central midfielders. There was no, so we got a, a Vieira and a, a Terea. I think that'll do the job on it. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Vieira and so. anyone to pretty much do a job. <laughs> True. Yeah, it's trying to think of all of the previous the shirt numbers, numbers that everyone's yeah. had. And I'm just going, what number did Petit wear? What number did. Uh, I think, I think they're Petit all like 50. Four. Is he 50? Four. Oh, no, he no, didn't wear four, did he? No, double digit. Four. Yeah, I think it yeah, was. It's all of those kind of ones. Or oh, was it 17? Oh, I'm not sure. Well, you can't be in the squad then, can you? No. Who did we have at left back? Ashley Cole, best left back. Okay, good. I was going to say, if not Ashley Cole, I should be Ashley Cole. Yeah. Uh, oh, times. Mm-hmm. Oh, Petit wore 17. Um, okay. Overmars, 11. That would have been a good one to have. Uh, Alexis wore 17 too, didn't he? Who? Alexis. He wore 7 and 17. Didn't yeah. He? I wouldn't yeah. have Alexis, though. I'd change it for Rizitsky. Yeah, I would take Alexis over Rizitsky for a 7. Oh, Alexis. Well, it's a hard one. I love Rizitsky. No, thank you. Alexis made it into my all-time 11 at the expense of um, Overmars in my proper 11. That's how much I rated him. I love Alexis. That's mm. why I cheered when you said it. <laughs> <laughs> He was so good for us, man. He was so good for us. Oh, yeah, I probably would put Alexis over Overmars. And I love Overmars. Yeah, Overmars had the advantage. Yeah. He could play either wing. But he wasn't a game changer week in, week out like Sanchez was. That bloke was... That, but he scored... Men. So, didn't he score in the 98 FA Cup final? Yep, scored the first goal and Elka got the second. And he also scored in that pivotal game against Manchester United away. Well, that I don't know. Do you know in ninety? Remember when we had like we was like thirteen points behind, and we went away to Manchester United and we scored one, beat them one nil. Hmm. And yeah. he scored that goal. I, I, I liked him when he went to, um, as all our players do, he went to Barcelona. His career just plummeted. Like, I, I was a little bit sad. Because I did like my Mars. We all did. did. Do another question. Yes, we will get this uh, next one. I'll save the the Chris's one till later. Oh. Um, <laughs> this is another one from Liam, and he says, hypothetically speaking, knowing what we know now post Wenger, would you prefer to have kept him and left him with the spending power, or moved on to a different manager besides Emery? Uh, Josh, you can have that one. Uh, 
Wenger's time was up, basically. Uh, he was to the point not only where he was holding us back off the field, which was okay because on the field we were doing all right, we were being held uh, back on the field as well by the performances that we were putting out. Now, obviously, we can talk about what happened off fields and the disaster that happened because we didn't do succession planning properly. Um, the same issue happens then on field that I think the succession plan, Emery has shown to be a good manager in places, but part of the reason why I think Arteta has struggled initially is how what Emery did to that squad as well, was he absolutely ripped the heart out, uh, creative heart out of the entire Arsenal team. Uh, when he came there for for reasons uh but that wasn't the thing that we needed to be doing and had promised that we'd continue playing like the arsenal way and yeah ripping the creativity out of the midfield was not the way to do it do you think that after the the whole win or even the aston villa win um the fa cup wins do you think that Wenger should have gone then <sighs> No, I think we could have continued then at that point. It was really that season after where we barely won an away game. He went at the right time. I think the problem was we hadn't even planned properly for what happened post-Fenger. Um, and there is a, a school of thought that I was subscribed to that I think Arteta would have been a better choice than Emery succeeding from Wenger due to the squad that was then available to him at the time that had Aaron Ramsey still with a year left on his contract. Uh, Jack Wilshire was still umming and ahhing about whether he'd stay. I know we've spoken about how Jack may not bring anything to the squad now, but I think back then certainly had opportunities. Ozil was in the startings of being completely alienated by Arsenal, but I think Arteta would have come straight back in and set him right or fucked him off straight away. Uh, and yeah, I think there was the overall squad. I think if he came in with that vision, I think Arteta would have done a better job and maintained uh, a lot of what we wanted in terms of uh, decent football and with a lot of creativity that we're only really seeing now coming back into the squad. Just a caveat to that question, and I'll go to Danny and John, you can ask this question as well. Do you think we suffered more off or on the pitch post Wenger? Um, that's a hard one. I just want to add that if Wenger still had it, um, going back to Liam's question, he would have had another managerial job by now. He wouldn't be at FIFA trying to ruin world football by having a, a World Cup every six minutes. It's not going to happen. But I think it was, oh, one more go, one more go. It, it's like, like a drunk person wanting one more drink before the bar closes. No, he should have left after the, the cup final. We'd have looked back on that with much with much more happiness than we did of it um going out like a, a spent firework. It was it was a sad way to see him go. We no one expected us to win the FA Cup in seventeen. We'd already won it with him in fourteen and fifteen and semi final in sixteen. I think we lost to Watford. And so to get to win three FA Cups in four years would have been a magnificent way to say goodbye. But whether it was on the field or off the field, I think it was just as bad for both. Uh, there was no one there telling him what to do. And I think when you give someone that kind of free run, like if Alex Ferguson came back to manage Man United now, he's a yesterday's man. He wouldn't be able to do it. And he left at the right time. I think, didn't he win the league and then, then quit? The league with Van Persie and then, then quit. That's what Wenger should have done. 
and we've seen, yeah, it's tainted his legacy a little bit. No, I, I, um, I tend to agree. I think I think we suffered both on and off the pitch. I think, like Josh said, there was no plan after Wenger. I think Arsene Wenger left and it was kind of a case of, oh shit, what do we do now? Like, who who does this job? Oh, Arsene used to do it. Oh, who does this job? Oh, Arsene used to do it. And I think that, um, I know that um, Ivor Gazidi has tried to come in and sort of, you know, do the job he was paid to do, but he just couldn't do it. And obviously then he didn't last long because he obviously went to AC Milan. But yeah, I think that it's, Arsene Wenger should have left probably after the whole after the whole um, FA Cup. I think we did, we went so long without winning a trophy. I think that he should have taken that, um, said, look what I've won. I've won this and left then. But, you know, that's nostalgia for you. Anyway, next question from PPVOD. What? I don't know. That, that's just Twitter. Lucky he's even got letters in his name. Or her, or, okay. it, or them, and his and their question is because we don't know. Uh, is uh, why we still try to play Wenger ball, um, trying to walk the ball into the back of the net. Is there a stat that shows many games that we've gone over the past three to five seasons where we haven't had a shot less than five on target? Nothing has changed, and we've gotten worse. Thanks. Okay, so I guess it's kind of uh, should we shoot less? Um, <laughs> kind of question, <laughs> which makes me laugh. Um, I'll quickly take this one before we move on to questions. Um, I don't think we try to walk the ball into the back of the net because we do have shots from outside. I think it's the case of a few seasons ago, we had problems being creative. So I think people were probably a little bit scared to shoot or the succession plan was get the ball to Bamiyan. That was kind of the plan. It was because he was carrying this team, especially sort of two seasons ago. Um, he was literally carrying the team. He, the season we won the FA Cup, it was literally play, 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 get the ball to Bamiyang and he'll do something with it and score. Right. And and sadly, that's kind of gone a little bit wayside. Whether, you know, Bamiyang is on the decline, whether we're just not getting the ball to him fast enough, whether we're not playing to his style anymore, who knows? But um things will i'm hoping that things will get better under arteta and, and the whole notion of us trying to walk the ball into the back of the net then you know we, like um josh said we we have players like party and Lekonga who are, do take shots from outside the, the outside the box whether they go on target or not is a different story but and um, jack is known to hit a few and i think that we will finally do i think I'm, I was one who was very, you know, Arteta is not good enough, but give him time. And after the international break, if we're still not converting these chances, because we're getting there, we are creating chances. It's just for us to put the ball into the back of the net. I don't think we necessarily try to always score the perfect goal. It's always nice to be pretty in the eye, but I think that um, give it time. And once this team has settled and knows each other very, very well, we'll be able to get shots on goal properly and start scoring goals again because Aubameyang, there's still a player in there. There's still a player there. Lacazette, he's still a good striker. Whether, you know, he's going to be a regular starter for Arsenal 
Probably not, because for me, if you know he's going to leave, you're going to give his minutes to Balogun, which would make much, much more sense. So time will tell, I guess. Anyone else want to yeah. take that? or we? Yeah, it? I just want to add quickly that I don't think we're playing anything close to Vengable. Yeah. Um, Vengable was not about walking the ball into the back of the net necessarily, or at least that wasn't. We're not seeing the kind of interplay that when you see, like, you know, when someone puts out a tweet for prime Vengable, it's not about us walking the ball into the back of the net. It's about the quick, intricate, agile passing through the midfield that we saw. That was the thing that made Wenger great and why Vengable was dubbed. It wasn't because of the thought of, oh, you know, the problem with Arsenal is they always try and walk it in. That wasn't Vengable. Vengable uh, was all about that kind of passing through there and then creating the chance, uh, the best chance with the best opportunity to score. And we know the best, the easiest place to score from is from the six-yard box, you know, as close to goal as possible. And yeah, it, I would say right now we are not playing anything as exciting as Vengable at all. Uh, right yeah, now. and just to, to piggyback on that, it was about it was about improvisation. It was almost kind of like jazz, where these players would. I remember hearing about how they would train with smaller pitches and confined areas so that <laughs> they can kind of create these what Per Mertesacker at one point called automatisms where you would kind of just like know exactly what you're going to do and riff off each other. So um, that was kind of Vengerball. And this is some criticism I've had about what Arteta is doing, is that the the attacking style that we're seeming to try to implement does not is not conducive to the actual qualities of the players that we have in attacking positions. You look at Tierney putting crosses in, all you have to do is double-team Pepe, which every team has done against us so far, and you've pretty much effectually limited any kind of goal threat that we have, unless we can come up with something, which which generally we can't. With Wenger's teams, you had a lot of a lot of threat from the midfield. You had Aaron Ramsey, Wilshire, even Ozil, Alexis. Like these players would be able to score from the midfield, and if they couldn't, you had a hold-up player like Giroud, who, for all the criticism that he got, was able to bring the attacking players into the play closer to goal to create chances at in areas like Josh was saying will create a statistically higher likelihood to score a goal. And we weren't, we don't see that right now. And one of the big things is that I don't think we have a striker that's conducive to the kind of play that we're we're trying to play here, uh, especially with Tyranny's ability to put in a cross, um, the overlapping play that we see on the wings, and then just Pepe Pepe being double teamed by every team that we play against and effectually neutralizing him in many games. So um, I think we're missing that kind of hold up player that's that's key to the Wenger ball kind of game of this kind of target man striker who can offer a goal threat in the air, but can also hold up the ball and bring in the attacking, these kind of creative attacking midfielders closer to goal. Can I just add that when we first moved to the Emirates, the chant of shoot was when we were doing what the, the question, the person who sent the question in is on about trying to tippy tappy Barcelona into the back of the net. And that was where that only happened for, um, probably 06, 07, 07, 08 for part of that lot because it was just the slow build up. Might have been a new stadium and, and new players, but <clears throat> it did happen, but it didn't happen for long because I was out there at the time and it was just very annoying when you'd see just fucking shoot it, shoot more, Carl, shoot. <laughs> but that was the one where I'm eating tuna and pasta. That was the one, that was the kind of seasons <laughs> where you had Henri being the I'm Henri. I'm the only person scoring for Arsenal. Fucking pass it to me. I'm sitting around right. six-yard box. And I think that's what you had before that you didn't have. Omri wasn't necessarily... He hadn't gone... 
should we say full Mbappe? Um, you know, <laughs> I've been drinking his own Kool-Aid. Oh, it's you mean tying to Club Rouge? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. I know he went off injured, but there is um, definitely, and it's all about him now um, For sure. and not about necessarily the team. Uh, we saw it with Alexis as well. Last season, Alexis was worse than the season before Alexis, even though statistically he was better. He was poorer. Um, he just kept going and getting the ball off the keeper. And he, just, for the field. he just refused to pass it to any of his teammates. Yeah. He could have had a messy level season in terms yeah. of goals and assists. You don't have Messi PSG, do you? Because right, Messi no. PSG um, draw against Belgian teens. <laughs> yeah. And then that's you have Ozil who managed to do all of that without even stepping foot on the pitch. So that, that was impressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think there's a couple of things in there, but I think it's a lazy, lazy thing to say. Uh, at this point in time. Uh, Colin Carl, next question. Oh. All right, this one's from... This This one is um, very... You know, as at ABW, we are a worldwide uh, podcast. We speak to people from America. We speak to people from Australia, um, everywhere. But sometimes we speak to people really, really local. And all of our families listen to this podcast. And it, it's Hi, really mom. weird that... <laughs> I really his mom. So, yeah, Hello, John. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't, I would be very surprised if anyone in my family is listening. <laughs> and we have a question from Chris Carpenter's grandma, Ooh. which is you know, really, really good. So Chris Carpenter's grandma says, "Why the fuck has he, he's taken? Why the fuck has Chris Carpenter taken her tablecloth?" and made into a pair of trousers. Now, people, if you haven't seen Chris Carpenter's trousers, I urge you to go to either the uh, Burkhardt Mandeland, um Twitter handle or go to Chris Carpenter's uh, Instagram, which is uh, Casey Runs with a Z, oh, which is cool. Because wow. his fashion said, yes, John, wow. that's the word. We've got that live reactions. That, um, it's like it's hard to see. Polka dot or paisley or type like pirate print. I'm, I'm kind of like trying to. It's it's definitely it's on screen. Oh, there it is. It's something, and um, if there's only one man in the world that can pull that off, I'm telling it's you now, not Chris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen is the only man who could pull that off. The budget carpenter, as he's known in the building trade. Yeah, I, either him or you know Noel Felding. Uh, I mean, no, no, no. Josh, there's another yeah. question that's from Liam, and he says, how much would you have to pay to wear those trousers? So, Josh, how much would the world have to pay you okay. to wear those trousers on a new I, town? To be honest, I have been known to wear something slightly flamboyant. My big worry, though, is it wouldn't even get over my foot with Chris's trousers. Um, I think I've got action men that's all of them him that I used to play with as a kid. Um <laughs> That's my biggest worry with those trousers is actually just getting into them. I like them, by the way. I, I'm a, I'm a fan. I, I don't know if I'd wear them, but good for you for wearing them. Don't encourage him. Like no, I want to see. I want to see how far down the rabbit hole he'll go. So I'm I'm a fan. I think you you have a fan here in those pants, and I want to know what's next. What's next? You're going to have to really overcome those. So let's let's see. See, the problem is Chris will take that as a challenge. Please do. No, no. I'm sorry if I was equivocal. This is a challenge. I want to see where you can go with this. 
All right, his nan's going to have no tablecloths by, left by the end of this. He'll be sitting down for Christmas and she'll just be one of those plastic ones you get from Wilco. <laughs> the thing is, I, I want to ask Chris is, where, where do you even buy something like those? Like, what, are they specially made? Does he have a tailor? Like, no, they're from bins. They're those. those are these are amazing. These are I'm, this is great. I, I have no. I've never seen a fabric like that in my life. What is that? I think that's from an old bus. It's mermaid skin. <laughs> I was going to say it looks like some kind of like. I mean, shout out Chris Carpenter. You know, it takes a uh, a brave person to wear those and. You know, I'm happy that Chris doesn't give an absolute... Uh, oh my gosh, this is fantastic. I think we should say <laughs> Chris may have an undiagnosed case of colorblindness. <laughs> we aren't I, sure. I, I think he's on something here. This oh, is... there we go. There's another pair. See the yellow ones? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. No, that's a recovery. No, They're on the screen there. You can see them on the screen. No, I can no, see a rhino. The wrong there we go. go. Uh, Fantastic. The old group at the Bears. Quality. Yeah, that was a... I mean, yeah, shout out Chris. What I want to know is, is it only the trousers or does he have a full suit? No, he's just got a t-shirt on. <laughs> he can't afford any other clothes. That they cost so much. <laughs> oh, but yeah, Chris, we, we, we do love Chris, apart from his, uh, his fashion sense or lack of fashion sense. I, I don't know. I think he's... I think... It's way. I think it's it's on another level. I just don't understand it yet, but I'm I'm into it. I, I think they're great. Next question, well, Carl. There is one. That's 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 it. It's all. Oh no Hello. no! You snuck one in, didn't hey. you? You cheeky bastard. Uh, this, one's from, this one's from Phil Macker, and he says, "Hi, Mr. Wright and Mr. Cool Carl. I don't know who the fuck he who's cool. I'm definitely not cool, but." You know, we move. Uh, bearing in mind there's a reality to transfer fees, should we not just care about how much the club spends and just concentrate on qualities of the players that we buy? Uh, so quantities of players that we buy. So for me, you have to you have to worry about the transfer fees um, because we don't have. We're not Manchester City. We're not Manchester United or Chelsea. We don't have an owner who's going to give us unlimited funds. He has backed us a lot. No one can't say that the Cronkies haven't backed us because they have. They've given Arteta money. We we are the highest spenders in, I think, in Europe this season, aren't we? Um, I don't think anyone spent more money than we have um, in the whole of Europe. And there's On no excuse to say fees, yeah. well, transfer fees. Yeah. Yes, no yeah. terms are probably spent because. Yeah. The messy wages probably is more than we spent in the last five years, and <laughs> the Cristiano Ronaldo wages yeah. is probably is like Varane, 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 yeah, and Sancho. <laughs> like, so there's no way that they're coming in for pennies at all. But for me, if we had an unlimited, you know, unlimited pot of cash, then let's be honest, we wouldn't be buying Aaron Ramsdale. You know, we wouldn't be buying people like Lukonga, we wouldn't, we we just wouldn't, we'd be buying better players. Um, more expensive doesn't necessarily mean better, I don't, don't want to add that as well, but for me, we've got to kind of work within our budget and 
Ari Ramsdale, for the money we got him, is a really good buy. He's a young goalkeeper, like Josh said earlier. Someone who literally is going to be playing football for the next 10 to 15 years. Um, Lukonga, from what we've seen of him, is a very good buy. He, you know, he doesn't look out of place in Arsenal midfield. Ben White, we know he's got the qualities of what he does. We, he's got qualities and it just needs to bring them to Arsenal. Tommy Asu, again, he looks good. Yes, he only played against Norwich and he needs to be tested a little bit more. But from what we saw of him against Norwich, looks good. So with all those players that we brought in, combined with the players that we really have, the Saka, the Smith Rose, and I'm forgetting Martin Odegaard. Martin Odegaard is a player, again, who will improve our creativity and always um, already has. So... For me, we've got to live within our budget. Everyone would like in the, in the Femi pot of money um, and it'll be great. But for the players that we've bought, I like them. I, I like the players that are here right now. Yes, I still think Arsenal do need an out-and-out striker because I do think that for some unknown reason, Lacazette is going to go and that's fine. And Aubameyang at the moment is just not firing Um you know, yes, he scored against um, Norwich, but he's just not doing that at the moment. But, you know, time will tell. And that's the only thing you can say is it's really hard to make judgments after four games with two of them. We was not ever going to win. So, you know, we shall see. Uh, Josh, what about you, that question? Um, I like seeing if we get a bargain and like looking if we are overspent in that regard. I think if it's just a kind of Odegaard is an absolute bargain. For me, Ramsdale is on the border of did we overpay, didn't we overpay? I suppose we're going to have to see. Um, again, I think Ben White was market value. Tommy Asu, I haven't seen enough of him to know about that transfer fee generally, but we can go through it all. Um, Lukonga, from what we've seen, again, that might turn out to be an absolute bargain. And I think that's more than what I'd want to um, you know, hold over somebody or over a fan of a fellow of a, another club is just going, hey, you know, like they do with us and going, hey, you spent £72 million on Pepe. We spent £72 million on, I don't know. Um, Sancho. Sancho. Um, someone like that. And we go, okay, yeah, fair enough in that one. Um, probably seems like potentially a better deal. But I think that's the kind of thing that we can go in a couple of seasons time. Hey, you spent... 50 million pounds on Varane and we spent 50 million pounds on Ben White something like that as a mm. on the side and I think those are the kind of things that you know we we do spend big money on certain players but I'm also liking the fact that we're getting really shrewd deals done um and that's where I kind of look at it um I don't really care too much to Phil's point about how much we spend on the players rather than uh to the point of I'd rather we got what we needed than went out and got a player we don't need, um, like a team in Manchester who needed desperately a holding midfielder and decided to buy a striker um, that they didn't need on huge wages <laughs> because they were scared he'd end up somebody at, somewhere else. Um, mm. I, yeah, I would much rather be run, our transfers are run um, using our brain rather than our, than our emotions. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. So I, I 
Just a quick question, and it's going to be the last one. Is there any player from the Arsenal pass who you would stop that lot up the road buying? So let's say it was. I mean, I know, I know he would. I know he was Son. never. Hmm? Son. No, no, a previous Arsenal player. So you know, like Manchester United, they we haven't got they any. Literally, they literally bidded. They bidded for Ronaldo to stop him going to Man City. Is there any Arsenal player from the past that he was going to come back? You would buy to stop going to to stop going to. Well, they were, all the decent ones have retired, Carl. There's no one of any of our ex players. Name one of our ex decent player, ex players who's decent. I can't think of a single I would, one. I would possibly, depending Nabry. on their record. Ooh. Yeah, Nabry is an excellent one. I'd love him to sign Urzel. My, <laughs> um, my first instinct was Aaron Ramsey. If no, Ramsey that, would, was, that would be annoying. If Ramsey was close to signing for them, there was rumours that Man United wanted him, wasn't there? There's always rumours they wanted him since yeah. Cardiff days. Um, True. Yeah, I want like a red, yeah. red first refusal for Nabry. Serge Nabry, that's a great shout, John. And yeah, that that's never going to happen. The only time, the only time Nabry goes to White Hart Lane is when he's going to score four goals against them. <laughs> yeah, you're right, Danny. There's not, there's not mm. any. I, mean, I know when um, Fabregas signed for Chelsea, mm. Arsenal fans were desperate to get him to sign for Arsenal, and I. And I I kind of did want him to sign for Arsenal back then, but obviously we had Urzel at the time and it would have been, I think, maybe they would have blocked each other, maybe, but I would have loved Urzel. I would have loved um, Fabregas not to have played for Chelsea. Absolutely loved him not to, but it is what it is. Hmm. Anyway, Daniel, wrap up the show. I, I, mis uh, I misinterpreted your question. I thought you were saying if we could stop them from signing a player, who would it have been? Oh, no, no. And that was like Son, because if they don't, I think Son has been one of the best players in the Premier League in the last five, six, seven, six seasons. So I think, uh, I think if they don't sign him, their whole their whole life looks really different. Sorry, but that's a different question. Because without Kane, he would be their best player. But he's the one who works. I, I think that Kane is Kane's a great player, but um, I, I think that I think Son because Kane gets injured. Son doesn't get injured as much. And then when Kane's injured, Son helped them through to get them in the top four. Multiple. Anyway, that's another. I hope. I would <laughs> you know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, are we all done then, gents? There's nothing else anybody wants to mention. Josh, do you want to give a quick plug to where you are again tomorrow night? Uh, I'm on the Highbury squad. Um, they get they get more people watching than we do now, so people probably know from there where ABW is. It's all cyclical, Josh. I expect in it's 25 years' time for your grandkids to come on here and take ABW back to the glory days when we were at, we were the third best pod out of, because there's only four. <laughs> Those days are, are long, yeah, we far were the third, third, third best Arsenal podcast. That's where we were. That's where our oh, heyday was. Glory long day. before I was even on there. Yeah, you ruined probably it. The probably the reason why. Uh, John. Didn't, yeah. Go on, Josh. Finish that. No, see you later now. You've oh, a moment's fucking <laughs> gone. Because you you're known for your pauses, John. You're, you don't, Josh. You'll leave a long pause, and people think he's done, and then you'll go. Second wind. I'm going to continue that, and then I step in and ruin all over it. John, are you are you moonlighting anywhere else uh, at the moment? No, I'm just kind of going around. I'm not. Uh, I haven't done my podcast in a while, so um, um, I've been on on Tom's here and there, but I've been. 
kind of busy, man, especially with moving to, I moved from Miami, obviously to Chicago. So there's been, you know, a lot of settling in going on, but it's been good to come back and talk Arsenal. So it's always good, especially after a win, you know, the last, the first couple of, the first, the beginning of the season was a little touch and go there. I didn't, I, I went on Tom's podcast and I was like, you know, just waxing poetic about how upset I was. And like, I didn't see any kind of what plan that we had going forward, even with the signings that we we're making. So it's good to see, some vague shape of something possibly that could work. Um, so that's good. It's a good time. Jolly good. Thanks for coming. Carl, I see last night in one of the many ABW WhatsApp groups, you were buttering Mr. Fife up, um, tickling him with one hand. Uh, do, you impl- do you plan to ruin his journey to work or doesn't he use your services anymore? He's lucky that I'm off this week. So he can have a stress-free journey into work. Let's see if he's back in the office. I don't know if he's back in the office these work from home people. Mm. So I don't know, but any chance I get an opportunity to, I mean, we've asked him on the podcast to come on so many times and he's just rebuffed our invitation. So I think for every time I ask him to come on and he says, no, I'm just going to leave him in a tunnel for half an hour and call it a, a signal failure. (laughs) <laughs> not, not that ever happens um, and then put it up on the in, the information boards inside the train you're all stuck here because Fife won't come back on the podcast <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, Josh do you think we should do if we beat Spurs do you think we should bring back ABW Live for one show oh maybe it depends on our availability though because we're such a group of <laughs> useless individuals when it comes to uh, being available about. for them but it is worth thinking about I think it depends on the result, as in if we draw, we probably won't do it. I but mean, if we, only lose, if we beat them. Oh. Well, then we won't get any viewers. Only people come in and join when we lose. Shit, if we lose 6-0, should we do a show? Oh, yeah, we're doing it. I think there's got to be a threshold. But, but only three people, because Chris will uh, have a little... Oh, yeah, Chris... <laughs> uh, but Chris won't be available anyway. He'll be running somewhere. If you're watching, watching PSG. Oh, yeah, probably. I don't even yeah, know when we played the North London derby, what time the kickoff is. Uh, knowing them, it's going to be uh, probably 12th. Actually, I do know. I'm just going to go and have a look because I have a, a shortcut to it. It's going to be on the 26th of September at 4.30, and the 26th of September is Sunday, 4.30 Sunday. on a Saturday afternoon. Sunday. Saturday. It's a Sunday, Sunday. isn't it? Sunday. 26th. Yeah, Sunday. Sunday the 26th of September. Yeah, oh, yeah, also. I was looking at S. I didn't, didn't realise there was a second letter. Uh, <laughs> on, on, on that embarrassing bombshell, I'd like to thank all of you wonderful people for coming on. Josh, thank you very much. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Carl, yeah. Yeah, so I'm not surprised at all. Like, the yeah. want of the litter of ABW is fine. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, at least you've spoken to your mic for 50% of the show. That, that's more than I could ever have hoped for. And John, thank you for coming back again. And yeah, I hope to have you back again soon. Yeah, for sure. It's good. I, last time I was talking with you and Josh again, it was it's been been a little bit of time, but it's it's interesting that some things don't change and some things do. So that's always good, and it's always a great time chat, chatting. And I don't think I've been on with uh, with Carl yet, so it was great chatting with you as well. At least there's someone decent on there. I'm, I'm glad you're on, John. I'm gonna put that on there. I'm no, no, no. Some... Today no. it's hashtag fuck Danny because you've <laughs> not been very nice to me. All of our zero listeners would have heard that. 
I was going to be nice to you then. I'm not going to bother now. Right. We will see you again uh, next Wednesday, I think. It could well be Chris, Jeff Arsenal, and uh, Raj, Raji Poo. Because I think he said he's oh, busy. That's, too, that's too many. That's four people now. Chris is not me. It won't, it won't be Wednesday, will it? Because aren't we playing on Wednesday? Yeah, Wednesday. So we'll on Thursday. Unless you want to choose the match. Well, Raj did say that he is free from the 21st, and the 21st is a Tuesday. So maybe we'll be doing it on Tuesday next week. So hopefully that'll be good. Nice to have Raj back. And, uh, yeah, I think Chris is going to do that one. And so we will see you then. Thank you very much for listening. If you like to give it a thumbs up. If you didn't like it, go to the Gooners podcast and give it a thumbs down. And maybe give it a subscribe if you want. I don't usually say that, so ignore everything I've said. We will see you later. Thank you very much, and goodbye. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down, dog.